Hello, world. Welcome back to Golf Subpar with Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz and Sleaze. When I say hello, world, it is now, I've recently found out, we are huge around the world. Is that right? Just Finally. Over, just over at the Asian Pacific Amateur in Dubai, Team India, Team Thailand, huge fans of Gravy and the Sleaze and Subpar. Team India, dude. I saw a little, you sent me a, a little snapshot with the squad over there. They looked like killers, by the way. Love what they were, love what they were bringing to the table, all suited and booted. How do our boys from India do, by the way? They they had, they had the most of any country. They had seven guys representing mm-hmm. over there. I believe five made the cut. But solid, they, yeah, it was solid. Good man. outing. They were so much. We we talked for probably an hour at the gala one night. They brought up you and Jordan Spieth. What your condition? Yes, during the Jordan Spieth interview. It's a interview. smash hit amongst amongst the listeners. We but need they, to get boozed up a little bit more. We say we this is supposed to be like a round table after a round of golf. What happens after a round of golf typically? Get a little snapped up. Maybe we need to loosen it up just a little bit. Maybe we'll work just a on that little less forward. than that. I mean, it's, you know, it's subjective. I was right there. I was still super alert. But I love the boys over there in India listening to the yeah, show. Big shout, shout out to those fellas. Yeah, because I know they'll be listening this week. Big shout out. Congratulations on making it to the Asian Pacific Amateur. Sleaze, it was a really cool week for me. Spent the week over in Dubai covering it. Um, it was way better than I even thought it would be. Dubai, such an cr- incredible city. The golf was unbelievable. The number one amateur in the world, Keita Nakajima, from Japan, got the W. He'll be teeing up in three of the four majors next year. Good schedule. Working on the schedule. <laughs> yeah. You said he's got an entourage follows him. Like, he's he's 21 years old, so he's a little older than some of these guys that you see, you know, in the States, maybe one year at college, bam, turn pro. He's 21, probably be 22 at the end of next year when he finishes those majors. But he's already got, what, the whole, you know, the whole entourage around. he got the he's, fitness guy, the mind guy, the schedule guy, the handkerchief he, guy. He is dialed. There is no doubt. But I was on the range getting to know some of the players the first couple of days. I was there with Matt Rollins, who works for Titleist, and we were talking about some of the people. And, you know, I knew Keita Nakajima was the number one amateur in the world. I wasn't sure who he was or what he looked like. But I was on the range, and all of a sudden I saw this kid swinging a golf club, and I said, oh, my God, who is that? That is one of the most gorgeous golf swings I've ever seen. And they go, that's Keita. And I'm like, that makes sense It makes now. sense. It makes sense now. But he, uh, he, he's the number one amateur in the world. He carries himself like it. Everyone knows he's the number one amp. Everyone knew he was the guy to beat, and he went in there, and he got the job done. Uh, you sent his video out on Twitter of his swing, and I was like, sweet Jesus. Golf's <laughs> the amateur game has changed slightly, even since I was there. I mean, the kid looks like he's ready to go tomorrow, and it sounds like he is. He already's got, what, he played the Zozo? Played recently? the Zozo. He's won on the Japan Tour as an amateur. I mean, he's ranked 200th in the world in the official world golf rankings because he's an amateur. He's already got the entourage. He's got pretty much everything he wants. He's want. doing it. He gets the job done. Other than that, you did all the stuff. You saw all the sites, you know, which you fly across the globe. Like, you need to get out of the hotel and go see some stuff. Highlight of the week, minus the golf stuff. Uh, my incredible sand surfing skills. Saw that. Was was honestly... Shredded. Pains me to say it a little bit. I was I was impressed you made it down there. I thought we could have lost a, lost a boy to drowning, sand drowning. There was a lot of things on the table. You know, Hurley... Rip Curl, all those, all those Burton, big companies. They're Billabong, all, they're, they're all yeah. calling me. You know, I, I wasn't really that excited to go out into the desert. I already had a long day, you know, walking around, talking about golf all day. It was hotter than shit out there. I'm like, oh, let's go to the desert. I'm like, oh, that ought to be really cooling. But when I, after I did it, I was so happy I did. We had so much fun going up and through these dunes. We did it in an SUV. Go up. feels like you're going to flip. These, these drivers are experts. Our guy's name was Shakir. I call him Shakira, obviously. But... He was so much fun. These guys are experts at driving because the wind blows these dunes every day, so it changes the shape of the hills. And they don't know which way it is, but they're experts at driving through so you don't flip and all this. It was so much fun. Rich Lerner almost puked. He rolled down the window in the middle of a desert. Smart. Which, brilliant idea. Especially it's a hurricane. When we, well, we cracked the windows a little <sighs> bit. Sand came all in. It was really cool. And then we went to the sandboarding. They pull out a snowboard. Never been on one. I was like, I don't know if I want to do you this. You didn't do a lot heard. of snowboarding back in Pilot Point? I haven't done a whole lot of snowboarding, Sleaze. Interesting. But Amanda Baliona, she went first. Five feet down, crash. Went again, five feet down, crash. Nabilo gets on it. He's like, he's a risk taker. He's ready to go. Five feet down, crash. Five feet down, crash. And I was like, guys, I'm not an expert at this, but I'm pretty sure it's kind of like golf. You know, if you got a downhill lie, you got to get your body with the slope. Right, Everybody was le- They were leaning backwards as they were going downhill, and they kept falling backwards. They're like, all right, well, let's see how it's done then. And I get on it. Right to the Straight bottom. Straight down, bro. And then I fell on my ass at the bottom because well, I didn't know what to do after it that. In. No, you're, you're not, not. It's like a skateboard, but it's a snowboard. Like yeah. It's hard to turn. I was just trying to make it to the down. flat. The only problem was the side of the hills is a crazy, crazy soft. It feels like you're falling onto a mattress. The bottom is a little firmer. It hurt my ass when I fell. And then you peel the sand out of every orifice of your body for the next month. Have that, you gotten out a lot yet? You I never like so. blow your nose and you just find a little I th- mountain in there? I think so. But the worst part 
was I had to climb my ass back up that hill through soft sand. Yeah, where's the I gondola? I was exhausted. Where's the gondola? I saw you go down. I was very impressed. You said you're the, the Sean White of the Dunes. They're Sean calling White you. He's the flying tomato, so I came up with a nickname for you. I think you're the flying potato. That's fine. That's I'll take good, it. That's good, dude. We can market that. We can. We can work with that. The flying potato. It's beautiful. It was a lot of fun. Also went to the Burj Khalifa, which is the highest Is that Wiz's brother? It is. Highest hmm. building in the world. You know, Wiz, yeah, maybe, maybe a little high. Yeah, exactly. High. Shit makes sense. Uh, saw the picture you sent of that, too. It was like, oh, hit, there's the building down there. It's 80 stories high, and you were, I mean, in a different galaxy. That looked, honestly, not like afraid of heights, but like just going up the top of that thing, a little dicey. So, And the building sways, right? It like sways if the wind a little blows, bit. it not, moves. I thought it was going to move a lot. We went up there at night, but it's we, you can go all the way up to the 154th floor. Okay? You take an elevator. The elevator goes to the 125th floor in less than a minute. It's the fastest elevator in the world. Then you got to get out. You take it has like 27 elevators in the whole place. Yeah. But 154, it is 2,800 feet high. Oh, it's a half mile high. What the hell? What's so? What's on the top store? Like, is that an office building? Like, hey, dude, congrats. You're so the it's CEO. residences. You're up here, and if the wind blows, you might die. Yeah. There's residences all over. I mean, they charge you. It's like 250 bucks a person to go all the way to the top. So they make money off this thing. It's like an amusement ride, amusement park ride, getting ready for it. You go through these lines. You you hear all this about the building, then you get an elevator of 40 people and go up. It was, uh, it's crazy. You get up there, they give you a drink and a little, little food, music's playing. You need it to be up there. But my God, I mean, you look it up, like when you're down on the ground, you see all these other buildings, the big hotels and everything. Then you get up to the top of the burge and you look down and you're like, oh my God. Oh, there's a plane down there <laughs> yeah, exactly. about a hundred feet down. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was cool though, man. It was such a cool experience. Had a blast over there. Uh, can't. Can't thank the people enough at the Asian Pacific Amateur for having me. Yeah, we get to see the main man coming back and playing three majors next year. I want to see what this kid's all about. Because, I mean, he's got to be turning pro as soon as that last major ends. And then, bam. Keita. Hello, world. Nakajima. Don't forget it. Keita Nakajima. Yes. Got it linked in. You, th- you think there'll be many Japanese media at Augusta next year? Shouldn't. I'm sure he and Hideki won't play a practice round. It won't be like the Beatles are out there. That thing's going to be massive when they come up. All right. Well, one of our favorite guys on the PGA Tour picked yes. up a rather big win this week. Going back-to-back. We picked him on FanDuel. That's also back-to-back weeks for us delivering a victory Double for chicken. you guys out there. If y'all like money, whatever, keep listening. But our guy Victor Hovland got the just dominated. Four-shot win with not even his driver shaft. I know. How about it? He's he, a very similar situation to myself. Went into the tournament without mm. his own driver. He was able to get the job done. That's probably potentially where I went wrong. I should have just borrowed from somebody else instead of taking the five racks. But yeah, he made, he he made 1.3 million. He did slightly better than I, I walked out of there with actually zero. I think at the end of the week, Playa del Carmen and uh, Don and Charlie's took most of that 5K uh, that I got that week. But uh, he drove it on a straight. How about hey, borrowing James Hans shaft? Mine broke. By the way, Danny Lee broke it doing some speed training. I don't know why you loan your driver. I feel out like there's some more guy to this story. Stuff. Yeah, I don't know if he like stepped on it or what, but he broke his shaft. He had the same head. Takes John James Hans uh, backup driver shaft and proceeds to go T2 strokes gained off the T. Drove it on a string. Like he always, he always does. does. It was seven, eight, nine for me watching this thing because there was a time there. He had a good cushion. Looked like he could potentially run away with it. But if some things go wrong, there was enough guys playing well that can make it interesting. Scotty Shuffler was on the back nine making some birdies. Seven, which used to be number one, the par five. He misses the fairway, has to lay up. Ends up getting up and down for birdie there, making a nice 10, 12 footer. Then the next hole, eight, the par three, blows it long left into the sandy area, gets it up and down with like a 15 footer for par. And then on the ninth, makes like a 35 footer for birdie. And it, instead of being par bogey par it was birdie par birdie and that point he turned with a four shot lead and it was pretty much rap city at that point isn't it crazy that here's a guy that was at top of the you know the world he's won the usam he's he's one of the best amateurs in the world one of the best college players in the world comes out he's now won three times on the pj tour and he sucks at one facet of the game and that's chipping he did chip it pretty well this week but isn't it crazy he's a top 10 player in the world and he can get so much better by his own admission, he sucks. We're not putting words in his mouth and just saying he sucks. He came out after he won, I believe it was in Puerto Rico. He's like, I suck at chipping. And he's gotten a lot better. Like, he chipped it good this week. He shot, what, nine under in the third round. He said, that wasn't my best ever ball striking round, but, like, around the greens, chipping it and putting it, put that together, and I got a nine under out of it. I've hit it better than that, but I haven't done all the other stuff quite that good. And, yeah, that third round is where he really did it. And, um, I mean, like you said, if he's winning at this clip with a pretty – like he's, he's now in the top ten in the world golf rankings. If you went through the top ten and said, find me something in one of these guys, one aspect that they stink, that they're bottom tier in, you'd have a hard time to find one that you could pick out of any of those guys. And his chipping just keeps getting better. Well, Sleaze, so that makes five straight foreign winners on the PGA Tour. He's the first guy to win back-to-back at the same event since 2019. And that was Brooks Kepka at the PGA Championship. So that's a hell of an accomplishment in itself considering how rare we see it lately. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the 
foreign winners. There's a lot of dudes apparently pissed off from that Ryder Cup that are making amends for that mm, right now. Point. Coming off of that Ryder, like, eh, we're better than that. And Matthew Fitzpatrick, Victor Hovland, uh, they're doing it right now. But I'm, I'm anxious to see what he does. He hasn't had the greatest of track records in in uh, major championships thus far. I believe, what did we say, 12th is his best mm-hmm. finish this at this point, twice. I think that's probably because of that short game a little bit. But going into this year, man, that tee to green game sets up very nicely for some of these bigger venues. And I'm, I'm anxious to see if he can play his way into one of these things. I think he's going to be at or near the top uh, at some of these leaderboards come Sunday. Yeah, I think his game is built for major championships, much like our guest this week, Fuzzy Zeller, the legend. He's in the house. The fuzz. One Getting of the best. Person, one of the yeah. Get fuzzed up. He's in the he's in the vodka game. He got got fuzzy's vodka, which we talk about a little bit of that. The man, you know that like in the drug game, cult. I like to watch a lot of drug stuff. They say don't get high on your own supply. That's rule number one, right? Fuzz does not uh, subscribe to that theory. The man's getting buzzed on his own stuff uh, quite often, but. Fun talking to him, get some of these old school stories. I mean, he played in an era which we get into, like John Jacobs, for instance, maybe the guy, the definite most interesting man in the history of golf. He was running around with him a lot, especially on the Champions Tour. Just a different era, and when it was, uh, seemed like there was a lot more fun being had out there. It was still a business, but they were not afraid to get after it. All right, well, let's get right to it. Here's Fuzzy Zeller on Golf Subpar. All right, the man with us here today is a two-time major champion, 10-time winner on the PGA Tour, one of the biggest personalities in all of professional golf, and a rare one-name celebrity cult like Elvis or Beyonce. The great Fuzzy Zeller and his daughter Gretchen are in the house. How are we doing? <laughs> Wait doing great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you very much for that. Uh... What were the two names? Beyonce and Elvis? And Elvis. Yeah, you say Elvis, you don't need the Presley. You say Beyonce, you don't need whatever the hell her last name is. That's true. Yeah, well, People know. She doesn't need a lot. She's got it all. She doesn't need a lot. True. Very true. Well, Fuzzy, we're here today to obviously talk a lot about you, but also your vodka, which we have been enjoying. Thank you so much for sending us some to try. It is fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, go ahead and pop the there top. it is I mean, right what there are you waiting on yeah. it's a little earlier out here in arizona we might we might have took a little <laughs> little pull before to to relax a little bit but tell us what made you ever want to get into the vodka business it all started with wine i'm sitting in my office and um uh, had the wine people um uh, come to me and offer me a pretty lucrative deal on putting my name on a, a private label wine and I told him, I said, well, that's nice. But I said, what's going to make my wine taste different than, say, Greg Norman's wine or uh, Ernie Els's wine or David Frost's wine? Hell, even Freddie Couples has got a wine shit he doesn't even drink. Now you figure <laughs> that one out. He's got everything. Well, they couldn't get they couldn't give me a, a, a real good answer. You know, they kind of beat around the bush. They must have been all Democrats or something because they never gave me an answer. Um, so I was sitting in my office uh, 18 years ago now. Well, the office that I'm sitting in right here, and we're throwing things around the table on a Saturday morning, and the wine thing came back up. And I said, well, you know, this wine deal sounds like a very interesting deal. I mean, it was, like I say, a very lucrative type thing, And uh, but I said, I don't drink wine. So how in the hell can I put my name on something that I don't drink? That just didn't make any sense to me. Plus, there's too many wines out there now anyway. And they couldn't tell me uh, how my wine was going to be different than anybody else's. So I was, there was a lot of dark corners in there on that deal. So <clears throat> one of my friends was walking by the door here in the uh, office here and yelled in. He goes, I heard you talking there. He said, uh, why wouldn't you do a vodka? God knows you drink enough of it. And I went, <laughs> now this has got some potential. We got some merit here. Now we can grow on something. No, uh, no other sports figures ever shot at the uh, spirits market. Everybody's gone to the wine market. So we talked about it, called around the country. Uh, there were six distillers that would do a specialty private label premium wine or vodka. And I asked them to send some product, whatever they had, so I could taste it. So the following Saturday morning, I'm sitting in here in my office at nine in the morning, tasting these five different vodkas and i said whoo four of them were rot gut and the fifth one was just smooth as silk and i said oh, this this has got it this is the one and it was out of bend oregon a little distillery out of bend oregon so we uh one thing led to another and uh, as it turned out this is how we got the fuzzy vodka started 
There it is. And Gretchen, uh, that's got to be nice market research when your job is like, all right, we're going to need to test every single vodka out there in the world and make sure ours is better. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we got fuzzed up, that's for sure. But it was kind of crazy how we all uh, anonymously chose the same vodka. It is super smooth and uh, you know, it doesn't hurt you the next day either, which is really, really nice. That's but, what I'm uh, looking for. I don't want to be she hurt. Brought up a, she brought up a very good point right there. Uh, because of the way we filter it, uh, five times distilled and 10 times filtered, we've taken a lot of what gives you the headaches on your cheaper vodka. All that has gone out. So you shouldn't wake up with a hangover on the fuzzy vodka. And because it also sits in the oak barrels, that, that also helps as well. Cut that edge off. But, you know, um, with the liquor industry, you have to go in front of, you know, the board and it's a blind taste testing and they give you a rating and we actually have a 94 rating on the product too, which makes it just phenomenal. And we've actually moved our production uh, to our home state of Indiana. So it's, uh, it's really, it's really been neat to have this product kind of evolve over the years. I love it. What, what's Fuzzy's go-to cocktail mm -hmm. with the Fuzzy's vodka? Oh, Fuzzy tonic with two limes, tall glass. Mm. I got it right here. I got it right here. here. Don't, don't give me one of those short glasses now. I need a tall glass. Is, is, a tall glass. Get fuzzed up. Tell I heard you say that fingers. earlier. Is that the slogan for the company? Get fuzzed up. I love that. Yeah, well, Gretchen's, yeah, the, one brought, Gretchen's the one who brought that up. Get fuzzed up. So it's I like it. six. It's nice. It's a I nice ring. It. Well, Gretchen, a lot of people might recognize you because you've been on the bag for your dad, Fuzzy, walking up and down the hills of Augusta National. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about your golf background and then how you ended up caddying for Fuzzy. Yeah, absolutely. So um, obviously I'm his daughter and I went, I've played golf my whole life. I'm absolutely obsessed with it. I went to school, school at the College of Charleston in South Carolina, graduated in 06 and um, came back that Christmas and I got a little fuzzed up and I said, you know, dad. Your last master's, I should really caddy for you. And he's like, oh, yeah, right. He's like, okay, well, if you want to do it, let's do it. And I'm like, yeah. So i like, I'm dead serious. And he thinks I'm joking. So anyways, it came to fruition that April. And it was so funny because it was one of the coldest masters in, like, the history of the masters. So I'm sitting there freezing my ass off on Monday. And we're supposed to go play a practice round with Ben Crenshaw. And since I'm in my monkey suit, as dad calls it, um, I'm not allowed to go into the clubhouse. So anyways, I have been there for so long that I got to know all the security guards. So I send one of the security guards up to ask, you know, go ask my father, since he's made me sit out in the cold for two hours, um, if they were playing today. And he goes, you know what? Let me go ask him. Goes up the uh, champion's room. And then like two minutes later, here comes dad and Ben, both of them smoking darts, looking down at me. And they're like, you think we're playing today? We don't play in this weather. You know, half popped. I'm like, did you all ever think to like, tell me that? No, 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 no. So flash forward to uh, Thursday. Um, first tee was moved up 20 tell yards. Before you got to the first tee, Gretchen, your strap Which on part? the bag broke. Oh yeah, I had to have Gary's a caddy friend yeah. help me out with that. I had to have a double strap. You should see at Augusta, which uh, they don't really have a lot of services like uh, the trailers and everything. Uh, but they're across the street, off property, you know. And she broke the strap on my golf bag, which I don't know how she did that. Frustrated because I well, had probably because the damn thing's the same size as me, and I had to like throw it up over my shoulder. I you had know? it empty. I emptied. I got the smallest bag I could for you, and it was still heavy. Oh, and there shit. was nothing in it. Maybe three or four bricks, a couple dozen balls, but yeah, exactly. that shouldn't make a bag heavy. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I'll let you tell them. So it's so funny because I'm so excited, and I'm so, like, just pumped up to caddy for that. We get to the first tee. I don't realize the tee boxes have been moved up, like, 20, 25 yards. So I'm now, like, this is yeah. Thursday morning now. Thursday yeah. morning of the tournament. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, 38, thirty-eight degrees. Yes, Ooh. north wind, which is right in your face on number one. Go ahead, I'll yeah. let you tell it. So, give your driver, you rip it, you smother hooked it. You know you did. So he gets a little <laughs> bit of extra roll out of it, anyways. But it's in the left trees, and he looks back at me and he's like, "How did I get it there?" And I'm like, "I don't know." And then he looks back, he's like. The tees are moved up. You've already screwed up. We haven't even hit a shot, a second shot. So 
you know, we go to the second shot and I said, man, dad, you want the good news or the bad news? He goes, bad news. I said, you've got 2.30 in the wind to the front green. And he said, well, what's the good news? I said, you got a shot. So I was like, just, you know, put that up there, roll it up there. Let's see what happens. So he does. He gets, doesn't get up and down, make a five. We keep moseying along. We go to uh, hole number four, which is where the only palm tree is on um, Augusta. But the caddy has told me if this palm tree is blowing, you've got to take two extra clubs. I'm like, okay, look at the palm tree. Definitely need the two extra clubs. Walk back to dad. And I said, ooh. You're not gonna like this one. We got 248 to the front edge and a two uh, two club wind. I said uh, you need driver, uh, but how about you just bump this little three wood into that front bunker and let's get that up and down for par. So sure enough, he bumps it right on up there, up and down for par, and it was great, awesome, awesome par. Now, do you and guys want to uh, hear the real story? <laughs> the real oh, story yeah, was yeah. I didn't hook my tee shot on one. It was in the fairway. I was on the uphill. Good. She comes strutting back there. And she's walking up there. She comes back. She goes, good news, bad news. I said, well, give me the good. Give me the bad. I don't care which one. Give it to me. You got 235 to the front, I think it was. 235 plus 30. 265. I looked at her right in the eye. I said, now do you want to know why I want to retire from this place? Exactly. Yeah, don't right. let facts get in the way of a great story. I was trying to give the student 65 because it's like, Makes you really look like a short hitter, you know? Well, there was a 20 mile an hour north wind, 38 degrees. My bones weren't as young as they used to be, you know? I love that. Now but you see was... why I want to retire from this place? Yeah, good news. Yeah, I got one, I got one more for you. I got one more for you. We're on the 11th hole, and then, you know, 11 is long. It's 500 some odd yards long into the wind. And I really chicken walked the driver down the fairway. I mean, I was proud of it for me. <laughs> and I got there and she walked back. She goes, you got 260 and 25. I'm going, come on. What part of this haven't you quite figured out yet? I don't have well, shots for this golf course anymore. Well, tell them what you <laughs> hit into that hole when you won. It was an eight iron. Well, yeah, that was in the playoff. Yeah, we're going to get to that. I must have hit but a sprinkler, sprinkler head or something. It went way down there. But, but it was, was really neat, back. like walking up 16, um, you know, the whole gallery stands up and starts chanting, you know, dad's name. And of course, I'm not a crier, but I get like really like really emotional when things in sports are just like awesome. And so it was <laughs> he goes, what the hell are you doing back there? I said, this is just this is amazing. Like and he's like, get it together, get it together. That and was, then, you know, yeah. he had some tears on 18 and I went to give him the towel to wipe his tears. He goes. The golf ball. I don't need that. The golf ball. But we had a good time. I'm not a very good caddy at Augusta National, though. Yeah, it's uh, 17. She started whining, crying. It's almost over. I've had the greatest time. On. I'm so, oh, and I went, Jesus Christ, Gretchen. I just was so proud of your daughter. We got to go to the 18th hole, and then I did put her over in the trees. She goes, she comes up crying. You can't bogey the last hole. Don't bogey the last hole. And then I had to pitch it out. And I don't know, I hit a seven iron in there about three feet or something, made it for four. But it was a well, uh, well job. Good great. job she did. It well, was a great was job. Great that was I can't the imagine. first and only time she caddy. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I can't yeah. imagine, yeah. you know, what how emotional that was for you two and what a cool experience to share together. Yeah, well, it was. It was. And being mm-hmm. the last one, uh, I couldn't have had a finer person on my golf bag. And I mean, I mean that. That is awesome. Aww. Thanks, oh, Dad. she's going to cry again. Yeah, we got to get her a towel. <laughs> you want the towel yeah. or the ball? <laughs> we've only had I'm one person. Money. We've only had one person cry on this <laughs> show, and it was George Brett. Yeah. And it was him talking. I was going to say, was it John Boehner? Oh, George. George oh, Brett George. cried talking about winning his club championship. Yeah, we were <laughs> makes, talking about makes total sense. 41 in baseball ever <laughs> and nothing, no George emotion. And then winning the club championship in Kansas City, he started crying. It's like, He's okay. probably the only <laughs> player great. in there. That's good, Dawn. Probably. <laughs> got his name on a trophy i love it well exactly. everyone's gonna go check out this fuzzy's vodka it is delicious we have tried it we have, we like to say we got amongst it or fuzzed up get fuzzed get up fuzzed up but we yeah, got and you know if you use the promo code uh subpar go to fuzzyvodka.com and that's fuzzy with obviously two z's um and use the promo code subpar you'll get 10 percent off between now and the holidays it's a great gift sounds incredible. yes it is crisp it is a good vodka 
I love Very that. Very good. All right, Gretchen. Well, thank you so much. We're going to dive deep into your dad right here real quick. And yeah. Learn a little bit more love about it. the fuzz. <laughs> layers. Layers deep. Yeah, bring it on, boys. Bring it on. I cannot wait to get this. is going to be so exciting. But one of the things I found out when I was doing some research on you, Fuzzy, was I didn't realize you were self-taught. Yeah. Well, you got to understand that I'm going on 70 years old. And when I first started, uh, there were teachers. They had club pros who were the superintendents. They just did just about everything. But uh, the gentleman who taught me how to play, Bus Schultz, along with my mother and dad, uh, would always walk by me on the driving range. He said, try this. And I want you to try that. If that doesn't work, then try this. And he kind of let me develop it on my own. That way I would learn my own golf swing, which I thought was pretty neat. Today, you know, these kids, they all swing the same. Back then, uh, when, uh, well, the older generation grew up, we didn't have teachers. So yeah. that's, you know, we were all self-taught and that was, that's the reason for why my hands were low because it was very comfortable for me to do that. I didn't know you could bend golf clubs. I didn't know that until I got on tour. Yeah. I didn't realize you could yeah, flatten make the lies work. and, oh yeah. Yeah. And so you always, a lot of tricks. Fuzz, you always address the ball on the heel of the golf club. Was that something you did that like, that, like that did something for you in your golf swing that helped? Or was that just something that no, you kind of developed? My over clubs time? were just about that much too long. Mm. Now, there you go. think about what I just said. Yeah. Now, you know what? I had, I had a tip from one of the golf professionals over here in Louisville, Kentucky, Mo Demling, who gave me a little tip because I used to hit the ball right to left, had a big old hook on it. I mean, I'd hook a sandwich. And he gave me a little tip. And so when I get to the top of my backswing, the first thing that I should feel coming from toward the ball would be the heel of the golf club. And, you know, golfers sometimes are not real smart. And we get a little brain dead out there at times. So when I shoved the ball, club head out to the heel, that reminded me to pull the heel of the golf club toward the ball. So it was just a little tip, just a little, I don't know, any dope that I did. And that triggered everything. Once I popped it out to the heel, I remember heel. I now, know you're thinking about yeah. it, aren't you? No, I'm just thinking oh, that yeah. all of our listeners at home are going to start trying to get I'm that heel say, down in front. We're going to see all kinds of hosel rockets out there. You just caused 70,000 shanks, Fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> Your hands are a little more a little more talented than our listeners. <laughs> the slow play at it the does. Muni this weekend is going to be out of hand now. <laughs> I know it. I know. Just uh, after you uh, pull the heel, just remember full right because you'll miss a few of them to the right. And But that's the feel you want. You want the heel of the club head come first. And when – after you got that tip from Mo Demling, did you win in San Diego? I did. That's what I, I yeah, did. I heard that. That's a good I lesson. I sure did. Yeah. It's a quick lesson. I never I had was, any lessons like that. Well, I mean, it's, I, again, uh, like I say, golfers, uh, we go brain dead out there because you play so much of it. Uh, you got to have little tips to remind you to do certain things in your golf swing. And when you get them all clicking, it's a beautiful thing. And Fuzzy, being self-taught, I think there's a big, I think that's a big asset in a way, because I think guys that are self-taught understand their golf swings better than guys that rely on a teacher to tell them what to do all the time. Do you think you could self-correct on a golf course if you were fighting, say, a hook or a fade or whatever it was that day that you could fix it easier than, because you didn't need a teacher standing right behind you to tell you every single thing to do. You just made adjustments like you had your whole life. Well, it's all done by feel, because that's the way we play. We played by feel. I mean, you think about a, a guy like a Hubert Green. How do you teach that golf swing? Put your hands on the you ground. Or, yeah. or let's think about Lee Trevino. How 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 you do that? You know, he just found a knack. He's he was self-taught. He found a knack how to move that ball left to right and right to left, uh, low, high. Huber did the same thing. It was just uh, it's amazing to watch the older guys. And I, I think what's great about the older guys is that. When you're walking down a golf course and you look over and you could look over four fairways, you could see a Chichi Rodriguez swing and automatically put the face with the golf swing. I'm going to tell you today, it's very difficult because the kids are all 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", and they all swing the same. It's very difficult to put uh, the face with the golf swing. You have to go over and check out the, uh, the that leaderboard in the back of them and find out which name it is and who it is. Yeah, totally. Well, their physiques are very similar to yours, aren't they, Dad? Excuse me, Gretch. Hey, hey, their hey, physiques hey. are very similar to yours, aren't they? Don't well, you hate on that type of physique? He, call, he, he calls them flat bellies. <laughs> <laughs> but you we know, like to refer to it. We just have more. Uh, there's more of us to love. Yeah, right. 
I love well, it. you got to remember, Gretchen, I was a lean, mean fighting machine when I was in my prime. I know. You yes, were you I've were. I've seen the pictures, Fuzz. Yeah. You were strapping young men. No strapping. doubt about it. Oh, it was unbelievable. But you mentioned you mentioned Lee Trevino, obviously a unique golf swing, but two of the biggest personalities in the game of golf are you and Lee Trevino. How in the hell did y'all ever have a conversation together? Did anybody listen to each you other? I really, I really, honest to God, I just listened to him. Because I'm telling you, after I won Augusta down there, I made a comment in the press room because I played with Lee the very first round, which I think was a, a complete bonus for me to have somebody who's lighthearted like he, even though he didn't like playing Augusta and he didn't have the golf game to play Augusta because he didn't hit it high enough. Uh, just the comments he made around the golf course. I made the comment in the press room. I said, well, hell, he had more lines than the L&N Railroad. <laughs> Little did I know that L&N was a big player at Augusta back then. So it was kind of fun. Beautiful. You know, that worked out. One of the best. Who were some of the other guys you like to play with? Because you're a guy that would yuck it up. I mean, you were always talking to the gallery, which I think I don't really see anybody do it right now the way that you did it. But who are some of the other guys that you, <laughs> when you saw the pairings and you were playing with somebody, you got excited because you're like, oh, that's gonna be a, this one will be fun. Well, I got excited to play with all of them. I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't have any trouble. Well, we had a, a great big happy family out there because it was uh, everybody stuck together. Family stuck together. We all went to dinner together. We had cocktails together. It, it was a, it's a different tour now. The tour today is more of a individuals as opposed to being uh, family oriented. Yeah. But, uh, that, you know, that's just the way it was. That's the way it is. Yeah. Now everyone's going to the gym. They're training the massage afterwards. Y'all went to the bar yeah, and, had, wait a minute. and had a cocktail. Could you see guys like myself and all going to a gym? No, I was with I you. I ain't going to the gym. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I went to the doctor today after my physical I've taken the last three days. And he said, I'd like to see you exercise more. I said, that's not going to happen. I am retired. <laughs> what the hell you retire for? You don't retire to go uh, work out, for God's sakes. You retire to relax. So that's what I do. I was born to relax. Yeah, you look relaxed in there. Yeah, you do a hell of a job of it. I gotta say, relaxed. tip of the yeah. cap. Hey, one thing I want to go back to the I want to go back to the '79 Masters. A couple things I'd like to know. First off, had you ever been there before? Then I know it was your first one, but had you ever made a trip before at all? No, I had not. First time seeing my the golf first course. time. My first time down Magnolia Lane was with my mother and father on Monday morning. Did you know and immediately? Hold on. Did I you mean, just sent a chill down my back because all I had ever seen were pictures. And trust me, it's prettier in person than it is with the pictures. Pictures don't do it justice. I agree with you on that. But, you know, you started the final round six shots back. Obviously, you had to have something really, really good happen to you or maybe someone slip up. But I want to go to the 15th hole on Sunday because I heard there was a very interesting story with your caddy. <laughs> with Jerry. Jariah Beard, God love him. I mean, he led me around there like a seeing-eyed dog. He told me where to miss, when to miss, uh, uh, it was unbelievable how he did it, uh, but he was he was a local caddy. And when I say there's there's positives to having a local caddy on the bank the first time you're there, there were true positives there. But yeah, we had 236 yards uh, down the hill, and the old saying there on 15, of course it was like a 20 mile an hour breeze blowing, so that put it about 250. Uh, if you see water, you go for it. Now think about it. Yeah. Uh, you stand on top of that hill. Now where these kids hit it today, they're all they're looking at the whole lake. So I'm on my tippy toes, and I'm looking down in that far left-hand corner over by the Saracen Bridge, and I just saw a little bit of water. Jerry said, "Well, if you want to win, we got to go." I said, "I'm on my way. Give me that three wood," and I hit. I just busted it. I mean, hit it as hard as I could, high going right toward the middle of the green. That's where it landed. I was so damn happy it didn't hit the water because that's embarrassing. It's embarrassing <laughs> to screw up in front of 30,000 so, people, you know? My source let me down a little bit because my source told me, Jerry said, you have to see water. And he said he couldn't see it. But so he made you, you said you jumped up in the air and said, all right, now I can see it. We got to go for it. I heard no, you showed off your vertical. I, 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 was, <laughs> I was told you showed off your vertical. Yeah, well, Jerry, Jerry's a little shorter than I am too. So that, you know. But yeah, it's uh, just a great thrill. Ed Snead, you know, bogeyed the last three holes to let Tom Watson and I back in. And that's the thing about the tour is if you just mess up just a little bit, there's always one or two or three people 
that want to get their feet in that door. And it just happened to be Tom Watson and myself because Ed bogeyed the last three holes and let us in. When was the first time in that round? Because you started six shots back. You're in contention, but you need something special to happen one way or the other. When was the first time you started thinking about winning that golf tournament during that round? I really never thought about it until we went down to 10th hole in the playoff. And I said, damn, this, wouldn't this be something? I said, have a, I had already done and accomplished everything I needed to accomplish, which was to get in for the next year, finishing that elite 16 or what, 12, 16. So I had, all the pressure was off me. I mean, I was just freewheeling it on down there. He had a good drive at the 10th hole. Probably uh, had a very, I'm the only one really had a very makeable putt on the uh, 10th. I had an uphiller, just a little right to left, which used to be just gravy train for anybody. Anybody love to have putt like that. The other guys were coming straight down the hill, left to right, speed putts. Not, uh, you don't make too many of those. But uh, when I missed my putt, I thought, well, okay, I accept it. Then they both missed. We went to the next hole, the 11th. And then uh, I don't know what happened. I just caught a drive that went extremely long. Now, this is going back to 79, so it was an old wooden hit a driver. So it's not like we had equipment that launches the ball. But I put one down there. Uh, I had 151 yards, a back left pin. And I told you I hit the ball right to left. So I was licking my chops when uh, when I had uh, when I heard the 151 and Jerry said here take this eight iron and put it by the hole so I put it right in the middle of the green and just drew it right back into that left pin position uh, about four feet and then uh, it started set in on me I mean I started <laughs> it's amazing what your mind does you think about all the times as a young player standing on a the putting green putting for those masters, uh, the U S opens, the British opens, the PGAs. And by God, I, my dream just came true. I had that putt and I made it. That's incredible. What was, what was that night like with the green jacket? Mm. It's long, you know, I didn't get away from her till uh one, one fifteen. Wow. After Augusta. Yeah. After Augusta, you know, they go through the ceremonial, uh, jacket thing. Not after the going downstairs, coming back up, then you have the members, and then you have dinner with the members, and uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford uh, entertained that. He, my mother and dad thoroughly enjoyed that because that was in their era, but uh, we had a great time, but it was about 1, I don't know, 15, 1.30 before we walked out of Augusta. Would you say you got a little fuzzed up that night? No, I really didn't. Oh. I really didn't because, uh, damn, I was so damned excited. I mean, I did have a, a few uh, with the members, but as far as getting blast blastered, I didn't do that. <laughs> Plus, I had to go to California at eight o'clock the next morning. So, Gretchen, you it know. sounds like Jerry had an easy job. I mean, you're out there pulling three woods from two sixty five. All Jerry had to do was hand him an know, eight right? iron from one fifty in the middle of fairway. Exactly. I didn't. Yeah. He didn't let me off easy. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> whose whose pay was better, Gretchen's or Jerry's? Ooh. <laughs> oh <Ooh. laughs> well uh, to keep peace in the family i'll say gretchen perfect <laughs> By the way, do, you, do you remember how much your winner's I check was? Him well what was I'm that so again sorry. do you remember how much the winner's check in 79 was not very much fifty thousand dollars that is correct yeah 50 grand hey that ain't a bad week's work i don't care what area you're in 50 grand ain't too bad but speaking no, of the money listen now for What's four that? days, that was that was very big money back then. Yeah, seventy nine. Yeah, it's and I was different ball game now. So this, I want to ask you this because the money is so different right now. But like Colt was talking about earlier, it's so different out there now. You got the mental guys, you got the swing coaches, you got everybody. These entourages. It's an individual sport. Do you think you would have had as much fun playing golf in today's era as you did when you played? Take away the money. Yeah, yeah, I would. You just love golf, though. Huh? You just love playing golf. Well, it's a game. It's yeah. a damn hard game. It's the hardest game in the world because the ball just sits there. If the ball was moving, it'd be so much easier because you'd uh, you're reacting to a moving target. Now, when the ball just sits in front of you and laughs at you, and you got to do all the movement, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. A lot of things. Back in your era, when Most you were times, when you got paired with guys, was there anyone that just blew you where you're like, my God, this guy is so talented mm -hmm. and good. Uh, you Other know what? Sam Snead was the best player I've ever seen. Now, I mean, 
bar Jack and Tiger and Arnold and Gary and all of them. But as far as ball hitting, now I never got to see Mr. Hogan hit balls. I've met him and I knew him, but I never got to see him hit balls. But Sam, I got to play with and play with quite a bit. Played practice rounds with him, tournament golf with him, even at his older age. And without a doubt, he was the best ball striker I'd ever seen. I want to ask you about a guy that you became very good friends with, and his name is John Jacobs. You may remember this man, but your good friend Lee Trevino had a quote about John. Speaking of like crazy talented golfers, Lee Trevino had a quote about John Jacobs, and he said, if John Jacobs didn't have every single vice in the world, you would have never heard of Jack Nicklaus. Now, that might be a little bit extreme, but would you put John Jacobs in that category, just crazy talent? Yeah, I, I will say one thing about J.J. He has experienced it all. <laughs> he has done it all. And what a talent. What a great guy. What a great guy. Uh, you talk about a funny man. Oh, you get him. Oh, he's a funny man. Great, great person. Great friend of mine. Uh, I mean, I just love him to death. But yeah, he's uh, he did it all in the golf. You two had he to have did. some times it together. Didn't make any difference where he was. Yeah, he was he was JJ. But you two are cut from the same cloth, and I think you guys got pretty close with one another on the Champions Tour. You guys had to have some runs together, I would think, just in terms of having a good time out there. Oh, we yeah, we always uh, we always kind of room together. That's scary. Uh, when Hubert got si Hubert got sick on me because I was always a roommate of Hubert Green's. We always got a condo together and room together. Uh, then JJ slid in there, you know, it's a shame he put Hubert on the, on the pine, but that's just the way it is. So, but you know, it goes back, it goes back to that, having fun, enjoying what you're doing. And we both thoroughly enjoyed what we were doing. Who paid you for a lot of fuzzy nights? Yes. A lot. Yeah. JJ, oh, yeah. This whole life has been <laughs> who paid fuzzy. for the, who paid for the condo fuzzy or JJ? Oh, we split it half and half right down, the, right. right down the middle. You bet. What's a scarier week in terms of the, the health of your body? Spending a week with John Daly, also your good friend, or spending a week with John Jacobs? Or is it just you probably won't make it no, out alive no, either I, way? I've got to tell you, John Daly, yeah, John Daly, that week would scare the hell out of anybody. <laughs> his, torch blows, his torch blows at both ends. JJ will slow down every once in a while and take a little break, have a little rest. Uh, John Daly does not do that. There is no rest for him. He is, he just sees full bore 24-7. Like when you're dead. Exactly. I agree with that. But you mentioned how talented <laughs> J.J. was. I would say John Daly was kind of the next era of J.J. Who, in your opinion, who had more natural talent, John Jacobs or John Daly? On the golf course. Natural talent. I'm going to say J.J., John Jacobs. That's incredible. That's shocking. No, really? I mean, that's true. Now, John Daly came out, he was the first long hitter that ever, that came out with a touch and an imagination around the green, which it takes to learn how to chip putt and all the good stuff. But he was one of the first long hitters that had that touch and all that. Yeah, crazy hands that doesn't get enough credit for that. But J.J. was in a different era. This was pre-social media, pre-cameras on every phone. <laughs> People didn't know about what was going on out there. If J.J. played in the modern era right now, safe to say he would be the most, like, mythical beloved figure on the PGA tour. I mean, his stories are legitimately hard to believe when you hear them. No, I agree. And uh, you know, what's mad. All of his stories are true. I know it's you wild. Know, people, people will go, well, hell you didn't do that. He goes, yeah, I did. You know, it's like he, it's like when he wrecked the motorcycle uh, yes. over in Taiwan. Taiwan with his yeah. caddy. Right. <laughs> Come on. You can't make his stuff up. Uh, he is the best. <laughs> he did it and got up. He got up the next day and won the tournament. So there you go. He is all time. Well, yeah, he's too good. You, we mentioned you won you won two major championships. I mean, it, how cool is it to win at Augusta National and Wingfoot, arguably the hardest golf course in the world? Nineteen eighty four. You were in some rather pain when you showed up to Wingfoot. It's already going to kick the what? shit out of you anyway. But you weren't feeling good going <laughs> in. Hey, you know what's all part of it? Uh, somebody, that's, I had the back problems. I was wearing a tens unit twenty four seven just to keep walking. But, uh, you know, it's crazy how modern medicine, I finally got to the right doctor and I got it fixed uh, September of 84. And I was off the tour for six months. Nobody even missed me in six months. But I was up in New York, hospital, special surgery, spending my six weeks in the hospital after the, the long operation, eight hours of something, I don't know, surgery. Uh, I had to teach myself how to walk again. 
once I got up walking off of the, out of that bed after two weeks of laying flat, I said, well, okay. So my golfing career could be over, but I, I fought back. The doctor, uh, Dr. Ralph Markle did a marvelous job on me. At least he found out what it was. And it was all from cortisone. Uh, the two shots that I had taken in 79 up in Columbus, Ohio, uh, two interns at the hospital gave me these two big shots and what it did, it, uh, it hardened in my system as opposed to gelling like it's supposed to, but it hardened and fused all my lower vertebrates together. So Ralph had to do a, a miraculous job of chopping all that away and getting my spine cleaned up. But it took a while, it took six months. And I got to tell you, six months is a long time to be a uh, sideline. No doubt. Especially when you, especially when you're itching to get at it. Yeah, a little Advil and vodka, right? Isn't that the remedy for everything? Well, <laughs> this was before vodka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is before vodka. This is a butazolidine. That was the days, you know. Sounds delicious. Two or three butazolidine. Yeah, it's something they gave the horses for pain. And it worked for a while. And then uh, eventually I had to get it done. Yeah, self-medication I find to be the best uh the best route most of the time. I want I want to ask a question about that U.S. Open in '84 because I found it interesting. On the 72nd hole, you, it's well known you waved the white flag when Greg Norman made the long putt, and you thought you had just lost. But I heard you yeah. say that a USGA official came up and told you that it was for par. Right. What would and have happened if he didn't do that? What would have happened? I'd have probably hit my six iron the same place I hit it Perfect. in the middle of the green. But the guy uh, just came up out of nowhere. Remember, and told I was. Well, he was standing behind me. He was following our group in. Uh, and I saw Greg hit his tee shot, and then I saw the long putt. So what do I have to assume? I assumed he made three. And I'm thinking, I looked at my caddy, Mike Mazio, at the time, and I said, you know, he just beat us. Because where the pin was, I'm not sure anybody could get it close. It was right on that front ledge at Wingfoot, and it went down through a valley and up on a ridge. Uh, and I had 176 yards, and I just striped a six iron right at it, which hit just a little short, but went through the valley and up on the back ridge. And my putt had 10 feet of break in it, and I can only imagine where he made it from that back left corner, what he was looking at. Plus, the greens were bumpy and fast. So what a combination, and he makes it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the USGA guy came up to me before I hit my six iron and said that was for – four and i looked at him i said where in the hell did he hit his second shot to he <laughs> said in the stands to the right which greg had a tendency to do with once got into the heat he blew it up into the stands which were 40 yards right of the green so hey then you went out monday and slapped well, him around I was, yeah. luck, I was just lucky it was four yeah yeah then you go out monday and you guys go into an 18 hole playoff the thing i think you said it was like hole eight basically where that thing was over but you've won two majors you won them both in playoffs you played sudden death at the masters you had an 18 hole playoff at the u.s open which is the better format what do you prefer well i i prefer the sudden death only because you know you have your audience there somebody should be crowned champion that evening uh the 18 hole deal it's uh, it just takes another day out of your life Mm -hmm. We were in town, so you might as well play golf. Uh, the sudden death, it's, uh, it's the way I like it. I like the sudden death part of it. I'm with you. That thing needs to be decided on Sunday. As long I as agree. there's daylight. Yeah, five days of a U.S. Open could drive a man Jeez. insane. When you wave that white flag on the 72nd hole, did you have any idea that that would become as famous of a moment as it as it has? No, but I wished I had that little white flag, that white towel. But uh, it was a little dirty after five days of being on the golf course. It was a little grubby looking. And I gave it to some little uh, 12, 13-year-old boy walked up. To, Can I have your towel? And I said, more than happy to. Go ahead. Get that dirty thing off my golf bag. What a generous guy. So, I love yeah. it. But, you know, obviously the game's changed a lot from your era to now. Do you still enjoy watching golf nowadays? With how the, I mean, obviously, with the way the guys go about it. Do you want me to lie to you? I want I you to still, tell the 100% truth. truth. Take a sip of that truth. I, there. I enjoyed I enjoyed the hell out of the Ryder Cup because that was a good old butt whipping. You know, people say to me, how can you get beat? I said, when you get 12 or 24 of the best players in the world playing and 12 of those guys get hot, you can't beat them. Mm -hmm. And that was living proof what happened up at Whistling Straits. 
the United States was hotter than a firecracker, and there's nothing you can do but sit back and just pat them on the back and congratulate them. How, how much are you watching week in, week out? Are you just watching like Ryder Cups, majors, things like that? Or are you, or are you checking out the, you know, just regular tour events as well? No, honestly, I don't watch golf on TV. Uh, it's not that I don't have an interest. It's just I've had my time. It's time to uh, let the other people have good times and enjoy. But golf on TV is all right. They've got some good cast of characters out there right now. I have a hard time relating to how far these kids are hitting the ball nowadays or these young men, whatever you want to call them. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. You drive the ball 400 some odd yards like uh, DeChambeau did. Well, hell, that's two good pokes for me. You know, <laughs> are that's, you... a good, that's a good drive and a good three wood. And he's doing it all in one swing. Are you playing much golf anymore? I don't play golf at all. At all, I have totally, I have totally retired from it. Well, I had a lot, a lot of arthritis in my hands, and uh, I just got tired of the pain. And now the pain has subsided since I've stayed away from it. Uh, my back doesn't hurt anymore. Yeah, there's a lot of positives to uh, <laughs> just giving the game up. But when I said I retired, I retired, and I meant it. Uh, it's not that I have ever looked back and missed it. I don't miss it. I miss the people. I miss the players, but I don't miss the playing of the game. So what are you doing right now to, to fill your days? You, I know you're a big Hunter Fisher. You spend time doing that and working on a little fuzzies, working on a little fuzzy yeah, podcast. Yeah, well, You going to join me or are you just going to sit there and talk all day? God bless you. Well, you know what? I, I do a lot of fishing when I'm in Florida. I've got a home down in Naples. Matter of fact, where Gretchen's at. Um, and then I also hunt. I just, I, was, I hunt almost every evening, October, November, part of December for deer. So I keep myself occupied. It's not like I'm just sitting on my butt. Uh, I'm absolutely doing something that I thoroughly enjoy. You know, there's nothing you're better. A pretty than... good... Go ahead. So you're a pretty good critic of golf. You have no problem following Chase and I around and giving us your opinions <laughs> on how bad we're playing. Well, I understand, but I'm trying to give Chase a little motivation, get his butt going. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I love it. All right. Well, Fuzz, every every week here with our guests, we do a little segment called Emergency Nine, where we ask nine fun questions to get to know a little bit more about you. So we're going to start right in. We ask this to everybody, and I have a feeling I might know the answer to this. It's going to be no one. But you can trade lives with anyone for a day, whether anyone you've ever met, wanted to be meet, whoever it is. Trade lives with anyone for a day. Who would it be? I want to be you. To answer that. I want to be you. Well, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't switch my life for anything. That's what I figured. But the you know, I, I would. I would love to be Arnold Palmer just one day. I don't blame you. Man had career. Man had the charisma, and just see how he handled it all the way through. I mean, I took notes, and God bless him for uh, teaching me all the things that he did teach me over the years that I knew him. But just one day, just that's all. You both, you got some parallels. You both got drinks named after you. You got Fuzzy's Vodka and he's got the Arnold Palmer. So you're kind of the same guy yeah. already. You know what I mean? I know. God bless him. God yeah, bless but him. he only, he always put kettle in his. I couldn't, I couldn't get him to jump over. All I had to do is jump that fence and then would have put him in the Fuzzy Vodka. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I had one fuzz for you, but you've already answered it throughout the interview. So I'm going to audible this one right here to you, Gretchen, because as we were talking about before we went on, Last year, you caddied for one of our close, close buddies, one of the best dudes in the world, Andres Gonzalez down in Alabama at a Corn Ferry Tour event. And he told me, quote, Gretchen could drink me under the table without breaking a sweat. So can you confirm or deny that you can actually out drink Andres Gonzalez, who's not a small man, by the way? Um, yes, 1,000%. Wow. Is that because you're that good or he's that soft? Um, I'm that good. Okay. That, <laughs> and confidence. he is. He, I won't. I won't be mean to Ag. He's my buddy. No, he's, he's the not softy. Okay, uh, well then tell. Uh, hey, hold on a minute. Ag's a uh, he's a wimp. He's a softy. <laughs> you know, he's wait. Gretchen's a professional, trained professional like her dad. So uh, yeah, you gotta like Gretchen that battle. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just say Fuzzy did still still play golf. Gretchen, you have to caddy for one more person again, and you can get to choose Andres or Fuzzy. Which one would be the easier person to caddy for? Oh, A.G. Andres. <laughs> for sure. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Those are probably the two happiest golfers I've guys. ever been around. Legitimately, oh, yeah. the two happiest guys on the golf course. <laughs> yeah, they so, are the best. You got an easy run. I do no wrong in his eyes. Dad would definitely uh, keep me 
toting the line for sure. Go caddy for Kevin Stadler one time and see the other side of that coin. Then you test mm. your metal. <laughs> hey, I've actually, actually played with him in the father's son, and it was an interesting one, wasn't it, Dad? Oh, he's he's an all timer. Is yeah. he not? He is a spitting image of his dad. You know that. It is unbelievable. It's, it's, it is unbelievable. All the mannerisms, all the stuff. It's just uncanny. Yeah. Good you, family. Great family. You just got to pull them off the golf course. They just love being there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of balls of sunshine out there. What's uh, up? You or me? Uh, I'll go. Right. So I know you don't watch a whole lot of golf today, but is there any PGA Tour player that somewhat reminds you of you a little bit? Hmm. Today? In today's on today's I'm, feature. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I've seen one out there. I um, think Joel Dahman's kind of close. I mean, not hmm. swings, but personality. I mean, Joel, who's better yeah. than him? Maybe a Max Homa. Oh yeah, Max would be a good one. Be one I'd throw in. Yeah. Absolutely. Both those guys. Similar. There's only one fuzz though. That's why you're on a one name celebrity, dude. Like you're Beyonce and Elvis. They're not you say Joel, it could be a lot of Joels, you know. <laughs> That's a good point. So, Very good point. Yeah. All right, Fuzzy, I want to ask you this one because we used to ask this to everybody and we eliminated it, but I, I'm curious to know your response. If a movie was made about the life of Fuzzy Zeller, who would you want to play you? Who would I want to play me? Yes. Mm, somebody somebody that was gray-headed. You know what? Uh, Charleston Heston, I think, would probably be a good one. Well done. Yeah. Gretchen, oh, yeah, do you Gretchen's, have any input? Hey, see, Gretchen's That's pretty impressive. <laughs> No, I think, I think Dad. he's got talent. He's a man had a lot of talent. So uh, I'd say I'd have to let him fire at it. I think he could do it. Okay. Gretchen, do you concur? Or would you go a different route? Yeah, I think that's a, a good one. But I mean, if uh, anybody I'd like to have, probably Kevin Costner. Why not? He's done great golf. He's got movies, a little yeah. golf swing too already. So we wouldn't have to work on that. That'd be <laughs> yeah. the tough part. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's. I'm not going to say anything. He needs a few more lessons, but uh, I give him credit. He uh, he's, he came out here at uh, the Wolf, used to be my charity tournament, the Wolf Challenge, uh, and just put performed, uh, put on a hell of a show for the fans. I mean, I don't know what the fans could ask for anymore. And then he got up and entertained for two hours with his band. Yeah, it's, uh, he, was, he would be a good one, Gretch. You're right. You're right. He also learned his golf swing from Gary McCord. So, I mean, you got to cut the guy a break. He didn't have much well, of a chance. Come on now. To you got to cut a break after that. <laughs> yeah. 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 The <laughs> fact right. he could even grip the thing <laughs> is a miracle after listening to McCord. <laughs> All right, Fuzz. Next one. I want to know because this was, was a little bit public when this happened, but did John Daly ever forgive the wager you had with him for saying he would make it to 50 years old? Well, he's outlived three cats. You figure it out. Uh, with <laughs> so that's 27. Uh, yeah, he forgave me. I gave him a big bottle of vodka, and they had it that evening on his uh, 50th birthday. I did it on the first tee down in Houston. But, yeah, he forgave me. What he a did. guy. That's a nice guy. Yeah, he can just pay guy. off any debt with a bottle of vodka. That's nice for you, too, because I bet you got a big inventory. You got a lot of bets you could pay off. Exactly. Exactly. But it was uh, it worked out, It worked out fine. He didn't know it was coming, so... Uh, and I didn't think he was going to live this long. He probably shouldn't have lived this long, and he'll tell you that too. Well, JJ's oh, still about, kicking uh, too, and by God, he's defying all the odds right now. He probably lived to be 110. <laughs> exactly, yeah, so it's that's, possible. He's like a cockroach. They're too stubborn to die. <laughs> he can't die. The all immune the, system. I mean, shit. Yeah. It's a bulletproof, dude. He's been through everything. These doctors tell you to work out, eat your greens. You know, don't don't drink alcohol. Don't Look at them. Don't take that. Don't take that too serious. They tell everybody that to walks in that door. You know, when I was over there today, he said, I need you to walk 15, 20 minutes a day. And I looked at him, I said, it ain't going to happen. Don't even tell me that. It's not I need you happen. to shut up. Stop telling me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm paying for, though. I'm paying for him to tell me to do something. So, All right. Uh, other last question for me, other than yours, obviously, but what's your favorite champion's dinner you've been to meal wise and just hangout wise? Oh, there's been there's been some good ones. How about if I give you the worst one? That's even, oh, better. even better. I would yeah, love yeah, that. Yeah. Sandy, Sandy Lyles, Sandy Lyles, and the Haggis might have been the worst of all. Uh, what what all he said? Eat, well, we all ate the Haggis. You know, have you ever had Haggis? No, no. It sounds horrible. Okay, well, don't ever do it. I mean, don't even <laughs> take it on a dare because it's uh, it's like brains and everything. Oh my God, it's just got awful. And Sandy's just over there lapping it up, and I'm laughing at him. 
I said, how could you grew up on this stuff? How did you live? <laughs> That's terrible. And then uh, I got to tell you, see, who was it? Um, oh, my God. We have one more. Just a very plain white piece of chicken, uh, a mashed potato. It wasn't very good. Bubba Watson's. Oh, wow. But he gave you a look. But he gave you a little ice cream afterwards that had little sparkles on it. That's the only thing that raised that cup. But other than that, <laughs> it's uh, the dinners are outstanding. They have they bring in their own chefs. They cook the food there. Uh, it's just the way the player likes it. So, uh, but it's outstanding. That's a great dinner to be in and to be able to go to and listen to all the BS that's happened over the years, especially for an older guy like myself. Uh, I hate to say it, but I am getting older. Um, Hear from the young guys, so I don't know what we're going to have this next year. Do you do you normally do you normally sit next Surely to the same person each year? Sushi in there, huh? Do you normally sit next to the same person each year? No, we switch around. Switch around. Everybody kind of switches around. They just grab a seat when you get in there, sit down, and you start getting served. Well, I have a feeling if you like Japanese food, it'll be pretty good this year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I can imagine. And that you'll do it right. Yeah, it won't be haggis. I got to tell you something, a dead dog wouldn't eat that stuff. You That's know that. probably a ploy to just get food poisoning into all the great players in the room, and you can go ahead and knock them off the list of contenders for the week. <laughs> all uh, right, last one for me, Fuzzy. Lee Trevino, Chichi Rodriguez, and Gary McCord all sit down at a bar together. Whose vocal cords explode first? Okay, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Lee Trevino's. You think he can out-talk all of them? Then Chi, then Chi, Chi, and then Gary. Gary will finally jump in after the other two have already shit the pit. So, <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, well, Fuzzy, Gretchen, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody go out, get your Fuzzy's vodka, code subpar, and uh, get, get fuzzed up. Get fuzzed up. Get exactly. fuzzed up. Thank you for yeah, your time. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you to both. Well, that was Fuzzy Zeller and his daughter Gretchen. Gretchen joining us on Golf Subpar. She actually caddied for him in his last Masters. By the way, he actually treated her like, kind of like a caddy that last time. Yeah, she got the real experience. Yeah. She also caddied for our boy Andres Gonzalez down on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. And when I was talking to Dre uh, before the show, he's like, dude, straight up, could drink me under the table. It's like the girl can go, like she can hang out with the fellas, no problem. And it uh, sounds like Fuzzy agrees with that. I love that. I mean, he was the last first-time winner around Augusta National. He won at Winged Foot. I mean, he wins at big-time places. Yeah, and the, the interesting story with Greg Norman at that U.S. Open where he waved the white flag, like he thought that was for birdie to probably win the golf tournament given where that flag was. And it turns out it wasn't, and then he gets into a playoff, and that thing was over almost before it started. I found that story very, very interesting, the fact that, you know, the USGA official just came out and said, by the way, that was for par. Like, you know, in my opinion, if he doesn't say anything, like maybe it's – yeah, I don't know change. if there's a leaderboard right there on 18 he could see or how quickly they get that thing changed to show, hey, that was actually for par, not for birdie. But, yeah, that was a nice little scoop from Mr. Rules official coming over like, hey, just in case you think that was for tweet, mm-mm, par. Because he made a bomb, I mean, from the back of the green, but he hit it in the grandstands apparently before that. Fuzzy couldn't see it. Yeah, but what a personality, man. I would have loved to have been in that era and seen those guys, you know, after the round, they're going to the bar, not the gym, having a few drinks. Really, really fun. Getting fuzzed up, as you say, with that with Fuzzy's Vodka. Make sure you check that out. That's a hell – it's worth trying out just for the slogan. No doubt about it. Well, Sleaze, I mentioned earlier, we have delivered two winners in a row with FanDuel. Heat check. Yes. Call that a heat check. Well, the golf season is back in full swing, and there is no better way to get in on the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook. Each week, we love looking through all the different markets and finding fun and unique bets, like finishing position, matchups, round leaders, and group winners. And don't worry, if you missed out on getting your bets in the tournament before the tournament starts, FanDuel has live betting options all throughout the weekend, so you can always make every moment more. And if you win, Sleaze, how fast do they get you those winnings? Uh, right away, Colt. Two hours. Sounds incredible. What mm-hmm. else they got? Uh, they got just an array of betting options. My favorite, by the way, which I'm completely addicted to, same game parlay. Love those. You don't got to wait the entire day to see if your parlay pays off. You can just keep firing game after game. They also got player props, futures, whatever you want. They got any sort of betting option. Live betting is also a great one. Get in a little bit late. Go ahead and fire on that thing. And then the odds boosts and specials, which are coming out with every day. You get super big odds boosts on, on certain games throughout the week. You've been chasing those same I'm, game parlays. Dude, these same game parlays are addicting as shit. I've hit one, and now I'm like, oh, I'll hit everyone. Now I'm, I'm a little bit over, but I'll, I'll rectify that. Well, right now, FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game or golfer, and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back if you don't win your first bet. 
Seriously, there's no strings attached. Just place any bet you want. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you get your entire bet up to $1,000 back in site credit at FanDuel Sportsbook. All right, Slees, let's see if we can do it. Let's, let's make it that three, three in a row. Three All right, feet. we're on to the Houston Open. Carlos Ortiz is your defending champion. Pretty decent field here. We got Sam Burns and Scotty Scheffler as the co-favorites over at FanDuel at plus eighteen hundred. Matthew Wolf's in the field. The Seagull, Charlie Hoffman's in the field. Hmm. Who are we going with this week? We got to keep this streak going. Yes, we're gonna go for the three P. It was hard for me to go against Scotty Scheffler, given shot fifty eight in Dallas right before Mayakoba went down to Mayakoba, played really good golf. If Victor has any sort of hiccups there, he's right there trying to win that thing. But I'm going just slightly further down the board on a guy right now. That is trending. Taylor Gooch going off mm -hmm. at 30 to 1. So the Gooch man running smooth. The Gooch is running smooth right now. It's four starts this season fourth, 11th, fifth, and 11th. We call that trending in the biz. But I mean, shot 74 in the final round this past week at Mayakoba with Victor Hovland in the final group. I think he's just getting a little more comfortable to being in the heat, being in the moment, trying to contend on a Sunday. I really like where he's at. He has not played a bad round of golf really until that 74 this entire year. I'm going to go with Taylor Gooch at 30 to one. Ride yeah, that hot hand. That double bogey on the last took him from a tie for fifth to 11th. That one's stunning. That's a, that's a bank bank account herder right well, there. Well, you mentioned who I'm going with. He's due Scotty? for his first win. Scotty doesn't Scotty know. Scheffler. He's a Texas boy. Plus 1,800. I think if he – I mean, he played great in Austin – at the match play last year, almost got his first win there. I think there's I think there's no better place for him to get his first win than in Texas. Plus 1,800, Scotty Scheffler is your favorite. Going down the board for some value. This man finished tied for 15th at this golf course last year, Memorial Park. He's going off at 70-1, to 1, HV3. Harold HV3, Barnett. speaking of looking for that first one, yes. it's going to be a happy day for a lot of people when HV3 gets it done. I'll go around that same number in terms of odds. I'm going to go with... Mackenzie Hughes, mm. kind of a quiet assassin, has some big weeks, plays some good golf, doesn't get a ton of hype, but he's going off at 60-1. to 1. His last start out there, he finished fourth at the Zozo. So in his 12 rounds this year that he's played, he's only shot over 71 one time. He's just a guy that doesn't really beat himself, just kind of A to B, and just he's, he's there a lot of times, and I think this is the kind of golf course that he could go out there and, and sneaky contend on. So Mackenzie Hughes, 60-1. to 1. Trivia question, where did Mackenzie Hughes go to college? Uh... Kent State. Good job. Hello. Golden Flash. Yeah, dude. Well done. A Canadian feeder. Canadian feeders. I know my Canadians, dude. Shout right. out to my Canadian peeps. We'll head over to FanDuel and load up on our picks. And if you've never tried FanDuel Sportsbook, what are you waiting for? Go to FanDuel.com slash subpar or download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started. Be sure to sign up with promo code subpar so they know that we sent you. Must be 21 years and older and present in Arizona, Connecticut, or New Jersey. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 or 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat or 1-800-GAMBLER. Bam. Boom. That's Did how you do a read right there, Slays. All right, you might see this beautiful hat I'm rocking here, Sleeves. Mm -hmm. I see this it. This thing is coming very, very soon to the Golf.com Pro Shop, our fresh birdie juice hats. Man, these things look good, don't we they? We got a lot of new merch coming. A lot of people have been asking. It's taking a long time to get these things in. They are here. They have arrived. They will be up soon. We're waiting on the visors for those of you big-headed individuals out there like myself. Those are coming very shortly, too. So gear up for the holidays. We got some new stuff uh, hitting the shelves very soon. Do you think your visors just take so long because it's so much cloth? It's so much material, <laughs> yeah, and I need exactly. them handmade. And There's a whole process behind it. Yeah, dude. So it kind of makes sense, honestly. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Everyone have a great week. We'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar. Park.